Hi, welcome to the Lift and Glow Fitness Podcast. I'm Hayley and I help women ditch bad diets, build strength and transform their habits so that they can lose fat and feel confident for good. So we're saying goodbye to yo-yo dieting, saying goodbye to restrictive dieting. And we do all of this without sacrificing the food and the life that we love. I am so grateful that you've chosen to listen to me ramble on on this podcast. And I would be really grateful if you could do me a favor. Please, can you rate, review and share this episode with whoever you think that it might help? If you'd like my help and support so that you can reach your health and fitness goals, make sure that you get in touch. You'll find the details in the show notes. For now, I will leave you there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Lift and Glow Fitness Podcast. So today I've got a guest with me. I've got the lovely Stu Graham. I've asked you to come on the podcast today because um, me and Stu are in the same mentorship and he is on, we, we speak regularly on masterminds and he's got a really, really um, helpful and really good way of approaching situations. And I feel that a lot of you guys listening will really benefit from hearing uh, from Stu speak. So I've asked him to come onto the podcast. I think you're all going to really enjoy hearing more about um, the way Stu does things and, the, and his approach to things. Um, so hi, Stu, how are you? Hello, I am good, thank you. And that was an absolutely sensational intro, thank you. Also, no pressure. So, you know what I mean? Just got to live up to these absolutely enormous expectations. But hey-ho, we'll roll with it. I am very good, thank you. Nice, uh, I nearly said Tuesday there, but it isn't. Is it? It's Wednesday. Wednesday, Humphrey. Great start, great start. I've got the wrong day. But no, I'm very well, thank you. It's, um, as I said, like when you're on the masterminds and stuff, I just feel like you have a very good way of framing things and I, I can get that you've done a lot of work on maybe your mindset and you help people with their mindset and I just think it's very interesting to listen to you speak and I know that you've helped me a lot and others on the mastermind so that's, that's why I wanted to have you on Um, so thanks for being here Um, so first of all just so that everyone knows a little bit more about you and, and that I know a little bit more about you um, can you tell us more about who you are and how you came to work in the fitness industry yeah, absolutely. So I don't think there's all that much um, interesting to speak about me from years and years ago. But I think some of the key things that are probably worth knowing is I used to do karate for 12 years and then worked through the ranks, got my black belt and then became a coach within the organization that I was working within. So I was running like my own classes. I was teaching everyone from sort of age six all the way up to 65, 70. You know, we had a big age, age range there. And also sort of within that time, I would be digging into the historical side of things. And what you tend to spot, and I think this is how this plays into this mindset, is a lot of the concepts that we use now were still a thing back then. Do you know, when you look through old textbooks, there's this sort of idea that best concepts tend to last a lifetime. So looking through old like Japanese textbooks or like the philosophy side of things was really my intro, but I've only realized that now. Like I didn't realize that at the time, that was just because I loved karate and I loved martial arts and I loved digging into it. But on reflection, I'm like, oh, actually, yeah, that was me working on my mindset, but I just didn't have that label for it almost. But I used to be an electrician did that for 10 years, did my apprenticeship and used to work on a nuclear site. So it was like industrial. Um, and then there came a point where I wanted to coach. And this was sort of like my transition into the industry as a, as a coach myself. 
I decided, you know what, actually, I'm, I'm going to try and get lean. Like I, I'd previously been lean. I was like, right, I need to make a big change here. So I signed up with a coach, followed the meal plan. And whether this was to like my own, my own demise, you could say, I was super disciplined. Obviously, I've done bright for 12 years. Like I will turn up at every session. Sometimes I was training 16, 17 times a week if we were including like my gym sessions and my, my training sessions. So then when I started with this coach, the discipline aspect was never really the problem. But it was because I ended up doing things in a way that wasn't aligned with my own values, with my own needs. And I was actually pursuing the goal from the wrong place. And I started to pursue this and I was looking for validation. Like I was looking for my own worth to be reinforced here. So I thought by having abs that that would make me more of a whole human. And obviously again, in reflection, like I've realized that that was the complete wrong reason to be doing it. But what that did lead to was me engaging in behaviors that were disordered, that meant that I wasn't prioritizing my health and well-being. You know, I was stressed to the nines. I was exhausted all the time. Food focus was ridiculous. I was having blackout binges. Like it was really bad at one stage. And that then spilled over into every other area of my life and everything felt like it was going wrong. And it was just because this had consumed me. And it was at that point and sort of on the transition out of that where I was doing, I took a step back from the coaching aspect and um, I was doing a lot of the self-work. I was digging into my mindset a lot more. And it was at this point I realized that there's such a better way to do this and I can support people through this. And that was really when I started that transition. I'd already been doing a lot of learning, a lot of studying to just achieve my own goals. But at that point, it was like, actually, there is a better way I can help people. I love that. I think that obviously having strong discipline and being committed to something has saved you so well for years and years. But then obviously it became a problem when it was affecting your health. I imagine your social life. I imagine relationships and things like that. And we do often like reward people and celebrate people who are like so stringent and stick to things so so in a strict way. But we don't often know how that is impacting them um, internally. So obviously the next question was going to be about the turning point for, that made you the coach that you are today. Um, is there anything else kind of like, what was it that happened? Was it just this like moment, this re moment of realization where you were like, I'm not happy and, um, you know, I need to ch do things a little bit differently. Like, was there a certain moment? Was it like a course of different events? What was it? There, there was a point and obviously at this point as well, we were just sort of transitioning into lockdown. So I was, we were spending a lot of time at home and I was just being eaten alive by my thoughts of food. I couldn't stop thinking about food. I was at one, at one stage and I don't know, I genuinely can't say how much of this was driven from food focus and how much of this was driven from enjoyment of food because the line was so blurred. But I started like cooking like amazing meals, but I wouldn't eat them. They weren't for me. I was cooking them for my partner and it was like, Actually, this is like, I was scared to eat foods and the guilt that came with that. And again, you know, there was one particular night and I remember it clear as day and we'd ordered a takeaway and this was my quote unquote cheat meal. And I got a large Domino's and we got two pizzas and we got four cookies. And what I didn't realize was that at the time, I can't even remember this scenario because I literally just blacked out. 
And my partner told me, you ate both 13 and a half inch pizzas and four cookies. And the, oh, the next thing that I can remember is being over the toilet, just spewing constantly from being so full. And it was that moment that I was like, I can't go on like this. Like something needs to change now. And actually, when I was when I was thinking about these questions, I thought of another previous turning point, and it was when I was a little bit younger. And it wasn't necessarily linked to coaching, but it's heavily linked to the mindset side of things. And it was though I had a lot of struggles at home and all that sort of stuff. And I was on my own in my house, and I was sat on the sofa. And I did I wasn't with my partner this time. This was years ago. I was sat on the sofa and it was like a Tuesday night or something like that. And I was just looking down and I'd finished a crate of Corona, like the 12 bottles. And I just put the last bottle in. And I was like, at what point am I willing to do something differently to not live this life anymore? Because right now I'm engaging in, like I used to go out all the time. I used to get smashed, like blackout drunk. Like the, I was... I've taken a lot of drugs, Do you know, like there was a point where it was like, something needs to change here. Like I need to do something differently or I'm going to end up down this road where I do not want to go. And I think that was a big turning point. And it was uh, taking on that responsibility of like, it's on me. No one's going to come and change this. Like I need to do something different here. Otherwise I'm going to end up in a place where, where I don't want to be. Yeah, I think we we have to have those little frights, don't we? In those like moments of realization where you're like, hang on, this actually doesn't feel good anymore. You know, I was the same. Um, when I was like unhappy and kind of low in confidence, I was like out every single weekend. I couldn't stay in. I used to physically like itch and couldn't sit still. You know, when when and if a friend wouldn't come out with me, I'd be like, oh, I need to do something. Need to do something. She would just go for a drive, and it was just like this couldn't handle like the the loneliness and stuff like that. And that was. It, you sort of realise that, hang on, this isn't normal. You're supposed to be okay just chilling, watching Friends. And that's when, like, I decided, like, need to pour into myself. So was that when you thought that, you know, I need to... Was that more like you started looking at yourself in a more self-care type of way and focusing on your health rather than just, like, distracting yourself from, from being unhappy? Yeah, so for me, that was the point where I started to get a little bit more curious about what was actually going on because it was at that time as well. Like I was angry all the time. Like I was just, no, people couldn't be around me because I was so angry. And then what didn't help is in those circumstances, I was being shamed for my anger. Mm-hmm. So they were like, Oh, like, why are you so angry? And, and, and that was making it worse. So it was sort of like spiraling and then I just retreated into myself and that's when the drink became a bit, a bit more of a problem. And it was at that point where it was like, where is this coming from? Like, why am I acting in this way? And I'd already sort of been listening to, you know, like various podcasts and I've always been quite a big reader, like reading books and as when I could. And it was like, right, something needs to change here. And that was when I really started getting curious about what was going on. And then the aspect of like, I need to start caring for my overall health was that point after that blackout binge where it's like, this is spilled over into my relationship. Like my sex life is non-existent because I have no sex drive whatsoever because I'm just, you know, I like I was some 70 odd kilos at the time. I was training seven days a week, well, six days resistance training, cardio pre, cardio post, hill sprints twice a week and then doing rest day cardio. But that was driven from a place of like, 
oh my God, I've just overeaten and I need to burn it all off. So like that disordered eating, that poor relationship with food teacher, like I've got it. Do you know what I mean? And, and I'll, I don't want anyone else to have to go through that in the pursuit of a goal that isn't necessarily theirs. Yeah. It's so interesting because I actually spoke to Charlie Pickstock last week, um, again, who I met through IFM. And we were talking, and obviously she works with people uh, with their relationship with food. And what you've just said there is very similar to what we were talking about is that, and what came to mind is that you started those things to help you feel better about yourself. And, you know, we often start exercising and cleaning up our nutrition or or whatever to, to feel better and to live like happier, healthier lives. But then quite often we end up going like the whole other end of the spectrum. Life becomes miserable. We're over-consumed with exercise, over-consumed with thoughts of food. And we were speaking about how as coaches, it's very important that we don't push people down that end of the spectrum that you went down and that we help people, you know, make progress towards their goals without causing them, you know, to become obsessed and, and it to negatively impact their life. So it's really, really interesting um, that you said that because literally same conversation was had last week. So this is something that is so common when people are working with coaches and coaches who aren't as concerned with overall health, just concerned with leanness you know, as a, as a um, form of success. So I know that you help people escape yo-yo diet and cycle. Obviously you want to work with people to help them, um, you know, get to their goals without harming the relationship with food. I can understand why, because I now know more about your journey. Um, so thank you for sharing that. So what do you feel like the main reasons are that keep people so stuck in this vicious yo-yo cycle? I, th- I think, and this is obviously the big one that I focus on as well, and that is this all or nothing style of thinking. It's very binary. And we can see this in multiple areas of life, not just from the sense of like health and fitness and physical health and diet and nutrition. Like we can see this very on off. It's like it's a switch. You're either dieting, you're either on track or you're off track. You're either on the wagon or you're off the wagon. And it just, it perpetuates itself because as soon as you think that for whatever reason, maybe, you know, maybe you haven't done something that you said you would, maybe you haven't reached a target that you said you were going to hit. Maybe you haven't hit your steps. Maybe you've went over your calories, you know, or if we look at something like a career based side of things, maybe you haven't hit a quarter that you said you were going to meet. It's easy in those moments for you to flip from that I'm all in on this thing I'm working towards this thing to this sort of like what's the point thinking and we go right to the other extreme and for people especially when we're pursuing fat loss all it takes is us to make a decision that doesn't align with our goals and in that moment the self-criticism can start and it's like oh you haven't made that happen you're a failure and it starts this sort of chain reaction of I've made a choice that didn't align with my goals. So in response to that, I'm going to make a very emotive response, which is like like a reaction of like, oh, well, I'll, I've ate one donut, I have failed, I'll eat them all. Or, you know, I haven't hit my steps today or I won't hit my steps today, so I won't do any. And we get stuck in this style of thinking. But as soon as we've taken that emotive, reactive sort of path, we then beat ourselves up for that as well. And then it just continues to spiral. And before you know it, you've been off the wagon for two weeks. You don't really know what happened. You can't remember. And it's like, now it feels like such a struggle to get back on. 
So if we can move away from this all or nothing style of thinking and understand that it's on a spectrum, like the majority of things in life are not binary. Like they're not this yes, no, good, bad, positive, negative that we think that they are. There's so much more nuance around all of these topics. So like when I said there about on and off track, like in order for there to be a track for you to be on or off, someone needs to have gone before. So like a train track, like in order for the train to drive on the train track, there needs to be people who lay the train track. They've gone before, but your life's completely unique. No one's ever lived your life in the way that you do right now. You are a complete, you're the first person to live your life in the way that you do. So it's not possible for there to be a track. Like there isn't something to be on. It's the same as the wagon. The wagon doesn't exist. You haven't fell off the wagon. You've made a, a choice at some point, consciously or subconsciously, that does not align with your goals. And in that moment, you've spent more time beating yourself up over the fact that you didn't, that it's caused you to quote unquote fall off. So even just being able to see this bigger picture of there's no on or off, there's a series of choices that you're going to make that either align with your goal or they don't. And the amount that they do is variable. You know, like you could go out for a meal and this is the one that I love and it's this sort of dial analogy as well that I, I use a lot. It's like a speaker system. So if you have all these dials that control your speakers, you want to determine the amount of output that you get. So you adjust the dials. But depending on the circumstances that you're in will determine where you set your dials. If you were setting up this speaker system in an old person's home, you're not going to have all your dials dead high up because you're not at a rave. You know, they want some nice chilled vibes. Whereas if you are at a rave, you're going to want some absolute bangers going because there's probably some people over there taking pills in the corner and they want to have a great time. So understanding that where you are in your life, the circumstances that you're in, you're going to have to make these little adjustments. So it's not on off, but it's a dial can we turn the intensity up? Can we turn the intensity down? If you set all of your dials to the maximum, you're going to burn out. It's not possible because you can't put yourself in multiple different areas and push yourself to the absolute limit everywhere without doing that. But also if you have them all on zero, you don't make progress. So there's going to be certain points where you're going to have to turn dials down. You're going to have a birthday meal. It's your birthday. You want to have an amazing time. You may turn the dial of dieting down a little bit because you're not going to track your food. You want to be really present, but you're going to turn your social dial up. And each dial is a different aspect of your life, whether that's your values, your goals, things that you're trying to achieve. You know, if your kids are, uh, one of your kids has been rushed to hospital, do you think dieting should be the top of your priorities? Absolutely fucking not. Like, let's turn that down a little bit. It's like, oh, we can just lower that dieting dial and turn family up because that's way more important. But the best thing is you get to choose. It's all your choice. You can choose what you are prioritizing more in that moment because it's your life. Like no one can tell you how to live it. There's no rules to this that we need to abide by other than ones that are sort of self-created or imposed on us by society. But if we can adjust our dials, it means that we're never on or off. So we're always maintaining momentum. And as soon as we've got that momentum, it doesn't matter whether we're moving by an inch or a mile, we're still moving. And it, it's this sort of idea of a car, right? Like if, if you stop pushing a car, it stops. And the amount of energy that you've got to put in to move the car again is so much more. Whereas if you can just keep that car rolling, the amount of energy to overcome that inertia isn't as much because it's already rolling. It's already in motion. 
So maintaining that momentum is, is a huge factor. And I think, you know, moving away or at least seeing that there's a lot more in between all or nothing than just flipping the switch on or off. Yeah, there is just so much gold in what you've just said. Um, I really, really liked the the uh, analogy of the track. Like I've never, it's not something that I've ever heard anyone say before. Um, and that made me think about, you know, why quite often when somebody wants to lose weight, they just want a meal plan and they just want to be given this way to eat because that seems like the easier option. Whereas we know that, you know, I've, I've got lots of clients and every single one of their lives is totally different to mine and to each other's. Okay, some of them have kids, but they all have totally different jobs. You know, like they've all got different things that go on in different households. So expecting this like really easy route of following this one thing, um, it, it doesn't work because nobody has lived your life. So that made me think of that. Um, and I think that obviously it's the it's I get a lot is that if people can't be perfect, they don't try at all, which is basically what you were saying about the dials and, you know, turning some up and turning some down. Is that, okay, sometimes your nutrition cannot be on point. You've got birthday celebrations or you're on holiday, but that doesn't mean that everything else has to to, to fall away. You know, you can still go for a walk every day. You can still get some good sleep in. You're still thinking of your health. And it's, you know, just because you can't do everything doesn't mean that you're, shouldn't do anything at all or aren't able to do anything at all. And it's just always realizing that life's not linear, life's not boring. And we don't really want it to be that way, do we? We want it to be like eventful and fun and uh, things are gonna gonna happen. And that means that we can't be perfect, but it's the expectation of perfection that keeps us stuck in that yo-yo because like, we're like, right, if we're on it, we're on it. But if we're not, like everything goes goes to shit, whereas doesn't have to be that way and we can't expect it to be that way. Um, so yeah, I really, really loved what you just said there and like the, the analogies that you use for it, the dials as well. Like that's that's a really good thing to think of. I think I will use that with clients. Definitely I'll steal that one because like you say, you turn that social dial up. For example, we've just had summer. So people's values have been about spending time with the kids, going on holidays, um, there's it's weddings, there's weddings every other week. And so those those social dials have been turned up and, you know, the diet and dial has kind of been turned down, but it doesn't mean because we've had a wedding at the weekend every other week that the rest of the week has, has gone to pot. It's just that it's just not as high. We can't focus on it as much. So I really do love that. Um, so I know that a huge focus of your work is on mindset. We spoke about mindset a lot already and where that has kind of come from for you. What do you think are the three most common mindset blocks or barriers that prevent people from making progress towards their goals? Now, obviously, all or nothing thinking is one. So do you have three more? Yeah. So actually, something that you just mentioned there, which, which I think is worth doubling back on, and that is you mentioned about health. Mm -hmm. And health is a really good frame to use for a lot of the things that we do. Because when we're pursuing fat loss, for example, there is a certain point where you're no longer in a deficit. So if you are eating out, it's like, well, I'm not in a deficit, so what's the point? It easily becomes that because there is a key factor. But when we look at the frame of health, health is like this game that never ends. Like you're always working on your health. You can always improve your health. The aim of health is to stay as healthy as possible for as long as possible. So what that means is that when we can't achieve fat loss, which maybe we can't if we're eating out or we've got weddings, we've got social occasions, 
we can still work on our health. But it just so happens that a lot of the behaviours that add to our health do so independent of fat loss. So things like exercise, there's loads of benefits. Whether you lose body fat or not, there's a heap of benefits. You know, being active, getting outside, getting sunlight, staying hydrated, eating plants, eating protein. Those are general behaviours that can improve our overall health. So if we use health as a frame and we change our focus of like, oh, um, don't get us wrong, doesn't mean we don't achieve fat loss. But what it does mean is we change the focus slightly. Fat loss then becomes a byproduct of us improving our health within our energe energetic demands. So, you know, if we are trying to lose body fat, we'll be in a calorie deficit. But if we are just trying to maintain, we can still do all of the same behaviors that add to health. Just how we do them might look slightly different from a sense of like portion sizes and food. But health is this beautiful little infinite backdrop that we can use as a driver for a lot of these behaviors so that when you are feeling as though you're falling from all to nothing, you can think, what is something I can still do to improve my health? And the the capacity there is huge. And when we actually consider that health or complete health has multiple facets, it's not just physical, it's mental, it's emotional, it's social, it's intellectual, it's financial, you know, there's all these aspects of health. So now going out for that birthday meal and being fully present with your family and not having food focus, that's actually health seeking mm -hmm. because that's allowing you to create human connection. And we also know that relationships are a huge driver. It's only from observational data, but you know, it's a huge driver of health. So people who are lonely are more prone to adverse health outcomes. So all of a sudden we can see that this is way more fucking complicated than just I'm dieting or I'm not. It's not binary anymore. It's not yes or no. It's not I'm on fat loss or I'm not. It's like, oh my God, look at the scope that I've got to work on my health. And then, you know, when we move on to what you've just mentioned there around the the barriers to mindset, like all or nothing thinking is absolutely a big one. And I think there's a couple of drivers that can make that even um, more perpetuating and expectations is definitely one of them. But I think expectations goes across multiple areas. So you've got like expectations of self, which is is what you mentioned, you know, like this idea that we need to be perfect, this unrealistic expectation, this idea that perfection even exists, which it doesn't, it's a myth, it's, it's not possible. Um, your idea of perfection looks completely different to my idea of perfection because your perception, your worldview looks completely different to mine for what we mentioned earlier. We've all had different experiences, we live different lives. So how can perfect exist when it looks completely different in two places? It can't. And then when we actually think of what perfection is, it's like complete. The, the I think the root of the word comes from complete. So that would mean complete, it would mean wholeness. But as humans, we're inherently flawed. Like that's what makes us amazing. That's how we've got to where we are today. If we didn't make mistakes and then learn from them, we wouldn't have created tools. We wouldn't be where we are technologically. We wouldn't be sitting having this conversation over Zoom. Like it wouldn't be possible. It's only through failings and learning from said failings that we've got to where we are. So the whole concept of perfection's bollocks anyway. Like it's not even a thing that we can aim for. So that is definitely one. But then expectations of the process is another big one. So like it should be easier or it should be faster. So this is a really common one of like, I should lose two pounds per week. Why? Why? And they're like, um, because I saw that on, on Instagram. Is that you? Is that your life? 
Is that a reasonable standard for you to hold yourself to? Can you control the outcome of the scales moving two pound per week? No, because you don't control the scales. Like you don't tell them what they're going to measure before you stand on them. So it's like, ah, okay. That's so expectations of the process is a big one. People thinking it quoting and, and should is a big word here, right? So like shouldn't all over yourself is their common. I should be perfect. I should be doing better. I should be doing more. This should be faster. Um, I the skills should say this. Like understanding that that word instantly implies some sort of expectation. And the gap between expectations and reality is where like all these resistances, and I use this analogy a lot, and it's this elastic band. So if you have an elastic band between the two points and you move expectations further away from reality, the elastic band has more resistance on it. The more resistance, the more frustration, the more stress, you know, you're literally arguing with what's in front of you. Like the process, the scales should say something else. The reality is they don't. They don't say that. So what are you going to do about it different now? So it's it's being able to sort of reframe and lower these expectations of self and also letting go of the expectations of what you think the process should look like is a big one. And I, I think, again, low expect, lower expectations of potential of self. I think we doubt our abilities. And I think this is really common in like English and UK culture. We just think we're going to amount to nothing. Like, we're just like, oh, like, so we've got this, this sort of like paradoxical set of expectations. We think we need to be perfect, but in the same sense, we also don't think that we'll ever achieve anything. And it's like, those are two completely different ends of the spectrum anyway. And then obviously you've got like societal expectations and that's obviously what I felt prone to. And, and well, I imagine that you spoke about with Charlie as well, you know, this idea that we should act in a certain way, we should look a certain way. I think even those expectations and just bringing some level of awareness to them can be really powerful because when we don't meet those expectations, perfection of self, when the expectations of the process don't align with what we think they should, when we see that maybe we are capable of a little bit more, maybe we can achieve more than what we originally thought, all of a sudden we can, it can be the trigger that causes us to flip from all to nothing. It's like, oh my God, like I actually, you know, like fear of success is a real thing. So it's like, I'm scared to succeed in case of what this leads to. So even that in itself can be the cause of the effect that is I flip from this all to this nothing and then I'm quote unquote off the wagon. Um, so I, I definitely think expectations are a big one there. And and not, not to harp on too much and say too much all in one go, but I think perceptions and our interpretation of the world is, is a big one. And this is one of the things that I focus on a lot when it comes to shifting the focus from all or nothing thinking to this much more like full spectrum approach, being able to see a bit more of the nuance. And it's understanding that the way that you see the world isn't even accurate to start with. Like our brain filters out like 99% of the information that's in front of us through the reticulator activating system. It's like a little bit in the back of the brain. So it filters everything that it deems to be unnecessary. Who's it to choose what's unnecessary and what's necessary? So even how we see the world isn't a true representation of what the world actually looks like. So it's just getting a bit curious about it and starting to question it and like starting to question the meaning that we give things 
So like food fits into this one in the sense of like good or bad food. You know, I'm I'm sure that you're very much along the same lines. And I know for a fact you are than why I said I'm sure. Um that it's not there's no good or bad food. Well, it's the meaning that we give food. That's a label that we've assigned it. That's the meaning. That's what we've made it mean. And it's the same with things like the scales. Like when you step on the scales and that number goes up, what is the story that you're telling yourself right now? What have you made that number mean? Well, when I stand on the scales, the number's gone up by two pounds. So the story that I'm telling myself is that I've gained two pounds of fat. And I've told myself that I'm an enormous failure because I've gained two pounds of fat. But actually, when we proof check that story, did you overconsume your calories, your maintenance calories by 7,700? No. So can it all be body fat? No. So is that story true? No. So instantly like, oh, well, actually, the thoughts, the stories that I tell myself of the world around me aren't always true. So we need to be able to question those because without doing that, we're going to fall prey to our own brains, which aren't always logical. Yeah, love all of that so much there as well. I think you spoke a lot about expectation. I'm in the middle of the expectation effect. I'm assuming that you've read that. No, no, I haven't actually. I've just, uh, I've heard that I need to read it. A hundred percent put it on your list. I think you, you, you will, you already understand the concepts of it, but there's so many examples in there. And um, the chapter that I'm on at the moment is about food. The previous one was about exercise. And it's about how your expectations of something as well as the expectations of yourself really do affect your success. So if you are going into something, expecting it to, expecting you to perform poorly, expecting you to feel unfit, expecting you to feel bad, then your experience of that thing will be a negative one. Whereas if you go in and you like, expect that you are you know it's helping you feel fitter and you expect that it's going to be challenging but that's a positive thing you come out of it the same workout with a much more positive approach um same sort of there's similar kind of concept with the food and it's just it's there's so many examples in it so I would recommend everybody listen to it because it's a brilliant brilliant book it was Emma who actually put me on it and so expectations are huge and I think listening to that you'll you'll understand like all of the different parts of life that it really does have a big impact and I think perception's a big one you know why we we'd it's we'll see these people online is a thing that came to my head is that we perceive that their life is a certain way or they feel a certain way because of like the way they look or the way they present themselves online when it's not reality. And we, we end up kind of like beating ourselves up for not having the lives or not having the discipline or not doing the things that other people do. However, we don't know whether they're happy. We don't know whether, you know, what is actually required to, to, to we perceive, we, we have this perception of how, things are that really aren't true um and so that's a really important one um I think like you know this this mindset stuff there's so much more to it than you know we know it's not about a calorie target we know it's not about the workouts it's the mindset stuff that's much harder to overcome and we have these beliefs about things that are really like embedded in society you know good bad foods you mentioned um, the scales going up why is that always a bad thing I've got a lot of clients who you know they're like low 50 kilos and they think that the scales going up a little bit is like a negative thing 
And I'm like, well, but why is it? Like, you know, what's led you to believe that that is a negative thing? And, you know, it's all of these um, just those beliefs that we have to break. And I think that questioning your thoughts is really, really important because it's not something that I used to do. I'd just be like, yeah, that is the way it is. It's not good when the scales go up. It's not good when I eat chocolate, but just questioning, well, why? If eating that chocolate's brought you a bit of joy and a little bit of pleasure, why is it bad? You know, if stepping on the scales and they've gone up, like, why is that actually bad? You know, you've been trying to build muscle or maybe they just they just go up sometimes and you're not in control of it. Um, so yeah, all, all very, very interesting. So I wanted to know what you thought, what small actions people listening today can do to help them improve their mindset. For me, it's all about like questioning, like what you're thinking. Um, what, what would you say? Yeah, getting curious was definitely the first one that I came to. And I think even the question of are there examples, because what you've just mentioned there about the scales going up or food, are there examples where this thing that I think isn't true? So, for example, avocados, right? Normally deemed a quote-unquote good food because they're full of nutrients, you know, great, amazing. So we would label that as a general thing as good. But if I eat so many avocados that I gain body fat over a period of time to the point where it negatively impacts my physical health, is that food still quote-unquote good? No, because it's negatively impacting my health because I've consumed so much of it. And it's in the same sense of, is there some circumstances where it is possible that eating chocolate is not bad well yeah it's part of a health seeking approach and in the same sense that you said there around the scales is there a circumstance in which scale weight gain doesn't necessarily need to directly link to me but is there a circumstance where scale weight gain is a positive yeah you're trying to gain muscle or maybe you're trying to gain body fat because remember it's on a spectrum and super low body fat are also unhealthy so is there a circumstance yeah so you've instantly created some evidence that the thing that you think, that assumption that you hold, isn't true. So you can start to actively challenge that. And as I say, getting curious is a big one. This is going to be like your best friend. And I think it's a really great buffer between you and self-criticism. So, oh, that's interesting. Why, when I get in at 3.15 p.m. after the school run, do I reach for the chocolate? Oh, that's interesting. Why does that happen? Oh, well, actually, because I'm so stressed from the school run because Lal Maisie's been screaming her head off for the past 15 minutes in car. Oh, so you're starting to identify and it does create that little, you, you can't be beating yourself with a stick as much if you are also getting curious. So I think it's like a great little, and that, oh, that's interesting. Is it always a nice little lead in? And that's something that I say to um, a lot of the people I work with, like use that, use that particular, oh, that's interesting. Because you're not saying like, oh, I'm a piece of shit because I, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, oh, why is that happening? And, and I do, I think curiosity is a big one. It's getting to um, know yourself, isn't it? So it's, you know, we, we feel like, I don't think people pay as much attention to getting to know themselves as they do as other people. And they actually don't know why they react a certain way. They don't actually know why they're coming home 
and going for the chocolate when in fact if they thought about it they've had a terrible day in work and you know that's led to it it's just getting to know yourself and getting to understand well why am I feeling like this right now or why am I going for that now and I I often ask clients to like slow down and have those conversations I, I think we always live outside of our head more now than ever we've got phones in our hands people are ringing us we're 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 dealing with things outside of our head all the time we don't really have much peace and quiet to be able to get to know ourselves so if we slow down and think actually before I do this what's the reason like and just start to know that start to start to learn your little you know I want it triggers your little things that meet like that lead you to do things that are a little bit um, out of line with what you're really trying to achieve I think that is a big thing journaling obviously is is big for that and does really help you get to get to know yourself but just pausing and thinking use your brain a little bit more yeah I think that's a huge one and you know this uh, there's some nuance to this as well obviously because we don't want to think so much that we don't take action mm-hmm. so we don't want to get stuck in this like overthinking over analytical cycle but at the same time being able to create that little bit of space and at at the start of any meaningful change is Mm self-awareness we cannot change what we aren't aware of so if you don't even know you're engaging in a behavior you can't change it but the only way that you can find out you're engaging in that behavior is by building self-awareness so things like journaling things like um, and this was actually another one that I, i wrote down which was like just taking five minutes to be completely still sit yourself down, no phones, no distractions, just, you know, this could be, maybe it's in the car while you're waiting for whatever, five minutes, remove everything, complete silence, focus on your breath, because it's a great anchor, like it's something to focus on. What can you feel in your body? Let's get out our heads and into our bodies. What can you feel? Is there any tension? Is there any tightness? You know, and some really common places are our jaw and our stomach. So breathe and try and relax your stomach. And it's like, oh, actually, yeah, like I constantly hold myself in and I'm constantly tight around the jaw and my shoulders, like drop your shoulders. What does your body feel like? Like tune into your felt sense. And it, it takes time. It takes practice. Of course, it does. Like you're not going to nail this the first time, but just like anything else, it's repetition. So can you just take five minutes? And all of a sudden, when you're going to reach for that chocolate, you can do the same thing. And you're like, oh, actually... There's a load of tension in my upper back. Oh, maybe I'm super stressed. Oh, why would I be stressed? Oh, well, actually, Julie at work was being a prick. Like, maybe that's why I'm stressed. So, like, all oh, right, yeah, spot on. So now you can do something about the stress and then revisit the chocolate and be like, oh, now that I'm not stressed, I don't have a craving anymore. Oh, cool. But even just being able to create that little bit of space in your day to just have those five minutes to be able to check in with your body, you know, and obviously breathing's a, a fantastic anchor for that. What can you feel? What does the texture of your body feel like? What comes up from a thought perspective? I think people think that they're not supposed to think. It's supposed to be like this perfect stillness. Mm-hmm, it's definitely. not. And my, uh, a guy that I work with on things like breathwork, he used this analogy and I thought it was fantastic. It's like you're stood at the side of a road and your thoughts are like cars. So the car pulls up, you see the car, and then the car drives off. You don't have to get in the car. You can observe the car passing by, but you don't need to get in and dive down that rabbit hole. If you do get in the car, cool, you just get out again and then carry on the process. Again, it's not about being perfect. It's not about doing it a bit. It's just being in that moment and just observe. 
thoughts go whole as often. Like when you first start out, you'll probably think about a boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever's listening, like a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you had when you were like 12 years old. And you're like, why have I thought about them at this random time? It's just that's how our brains work. We'll just throw something really random from an old time to be like, oh, yeah, think about this, that one time that you were dunking apples at Halloween with your friend <laughs> and you were eight years old. Like, oh, what do you think about that? And it's like, where's that came from? But it's understanding that's completely normal and just being able to check in with that felt sense is a big one. And then the other one that I wrote was collecting wins each day. Yeah, love that. Collecting wins. You need evidence to support the fact that you are doing what you say you will do or you are working towards your goals. And like people are like, I can't find any wins. Yes, you can. It does not matter. Like your day might have been horrific, but there'll be a win in there somewhere. They're just really hard to find. That doesn't mean they aren't there. And it can be, and again, this isn't some sort of toxic positivity. Like you must be happy all the time because it's not. And that's not the reality of the world that we live in. But you need to collect this evidence because the reality is when, when if you want to feel, if you want to believe in yourself, if you want to have confidence, you need evidence to support the fact that you have those things, that you've taken the actions that get you there. The only way you're going to get evidence is, is by collecting the wins, you know, collect them over time. And it sounds, uh, I've got, I'm working with someone at the moment, they were really struggling with this. So now they have to collect 15 wins every single day. It's like 15. That's a challenge. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Like you'll struggle, like it will be hard. But then all of a sudden, smaller things become wins. So it's like, oh, I got out of bed without snooze my alarm this morning. Win. I hit my protein today. Win. I went on a midday walk. Win. I didn't shout at the kids when they did this. Win. Like smaller things become wins. And then it's understanding that this is all what we said about this perception. Like you get to choose what's a win for you. It's your choice. No one can come in and tell you your win isn't a win. Like you get to choose that. So you get to make any part of the day means something else if you choose it to. So like, yeah, getting out of bed was a right struggle. You snoozed your alarm three times, but you still got out. No one forced you to. No one held a gun to your head. Like mm -hmm. you did get out eventually. If that's the only win that you can find that day, that's still a win. Yeah, totally agree with that. The the five minutes in the morning that, that you were talking about, like I know that you do that. And then you do you, do you do that with the sunrise? Is that what you're, when you, you post a daily sunrise? Um, so this is something that I started doing. So my, I had my, my head was gone when it got to lockdown, basically because I'd just gone full time and then, um, obviously closed and I had no, like no government support or anything. My head was gone. So this is when I was like, I need to do all of these really intrusive thoughts, not just about life being unstable, mad stuff. Um, is all coming up and I was like I need to do some sort of like meditation or mindfulness and I remember when I first started so it used to be first thing in the morning wake up and I would follow a guide's meditation and at first I hated it I was like I can't do this my mind keeps getting distracted these thoughts that still keep coming because I just thought I expected of myself that I was going to sit down and like just focus on my breath for 10 minutes and none of these thoughts were going to come and then it was only when I started looking into it more and doing more of it, I was like, no, it's actually okay for thoughts to come. And then when those thoughts do come, you can decide whether or not you to, to think them. A mentor that I had back at the start of 2021, um, I was still going through a bit of a rough time, um, just like with life and, and with business and stuff like that. 
And I kept talking about all these, you know, like worries and stresses and stuff that kept coming to me and like these bad outcomes that I just kept imagining. She was like, this is really interesting thing. When you get a thought, you don't actually have to think it. And she said it in the most simple way. And I was like, what do you mean? I don't have to think it. She's like, when a thought pops into your head, you can choose whether or not to think that thought. So now I still do. First thing in the morning, I sit there with my cup of coffee and I literally cuddle my cup of coffee and I do my deep breaths, relax my shoulders. And then I just let my thoughts come. And then if one comes to me that I don't want to think about, I just go, I don't want to think about that. And it and it goes away. And then another. And um, so I'm glad that you spoke about that because I think people are, uh, are a bit like these mindfulness in the, like these little five minutes mindfulness or, you know, meditation, whatever you, you want to call it. People are, are resistant to it and they find it very hard because they think that the brain is supposed to be silent when we know it's not supposed to be silent. And have you ever done flotation tank? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah. I, I literally love it. Did you like it? Yeah, I thought it was the main. Like, it took me a little while to get settled in, don't get me wrong. Like, the first sort of, it was an hour once, it was like sort of the first 15, 20 minutes, I was like, mm, I can't really get comfortable. Like, obviously, you, you're floating on what I feel. It's a weird sensation, isn't it? Yeah. And then after that, I sort of, like, got into the groove, and I was like, oh, this is actually amazing. Yeah, so same for me. When I first went, so I I was already into, like, mindfulness and meditation and stuff when I went and I just thought it was going to be this really relaxing experience. But when I first got in and my mind has never been busier, you know, like I couldn't see anything. I couldn't hear anything. And I had a whole run through of my entire life. Now, it was so strange things that happened when I was a kid that I don't even remember. And I'm not even sure if they were if it was real, you know, like the, the things that I was thinking. And they weren't negative. It was just this busy, busy mind. And then eventually... Um, I did manage to switch off and I felt like I didn't get the most out of the experience and I sort of read up about it and it was Joe Rogan who was talking about it. It was like, that's part of it. You let your brain do all that stuff. You let, you know, you go through it all and then you have this deep relaxation. So like the next few times that I did it, I got that kind of, um, that experience, but it just, it's a similar sort of thing. Like with meditation, once you realize it's not supposed to be silent, you're not supposed to, it doesn't go well all of the time. Um, and that's okay but it's nice to give your you know, your brain those those bits of quiet so and then what you were saying about daily wins I do a similar thing like with my groups about you know weekly wins um but also I'm big on daily gratitudes which are you know similar and it's just being like grateful for like the silliest things you know I can have the worst day ever and just be like, oh, I'm so grateful for this hot shower, or I'm so grateful for this comfy bed, or like squeeze me dog. I'm so grateful for the dog, and it just makes you um, focus more on the things that you have and less on the things that you don't have or are struggling with. And I think that that can just make things feel a little bit easier. Um, which again, wins. I think you know do a similar thing. Yeah, it's quite interesting that you mentioned that actually, because if we think about gratitude as exactly what you've said of appreciating appreciate what we already have. And you'll remember this from, um, we did the book club and we did the go-giver mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, so gratitude becomes the ultimate state of receivership because in that moment we acknowledge what we already have, which means that we're more open to receiving more because we've acknowledged what, what we've already achieved. Like it's easy in that moment to be like, oh, like nothing's going right for me. And that mindset of nothing's going right for me the world's against me, 
it's self-defeating. Like it's not benefiting you in any way, shape or form. Whereas using gratitude is almost like a little antidote to that. He's like, oh, actually, these are all of the amazing things that are still happening to me that are still benefit. You know, these are the great things that are going on. All of a sudden, it moves us away from this state of, you know, like victimhood into this more state of like, oh, abundance. Like there's, oh, look, look at these amazing things that I've got. And, and, you know, spending some time just finding something that brings joy to your life or, or sitting in that stillness and appreciating your, your hot cup of coffee or using all of your senses to, oh, the coffee smells beautiful, it's warm, it's those experience where we can use as many senses as possible tend to anchor us more in the present as well. So using those combined with what we've said about collecting wins, collecting gratitude, all of a sudden you're changing the experience of your life on a day-to-day basis, which seems so small, but that repeated over weeks, months, years will have a monumental impact definitely like coming from this place of lack and not having and not being able to and struggling it kind of keeps you in a bit of a negative place and I feel like it's harder to do hard things when you are in that kind of space whereas if you are kind of focusing on the positives and focusing on what you have and what you're grateful for you show up in a better way you show up in a happier more um you know able to receive way and so things just naturally tend to get better and you make progress without it being such a fight and without it being such a battle it's like more enjoyable because at least you've you you, you're not coming from that place of lack it's more you know of an abundant kind of place which I think years ago I just was like oh what's everyone on about with all of that but it's when you're doing it and you're putting it into practice you're like no actually this really does work like life is a lot better um that was such an interesting chat thank you so much I knew that you'd have loads and loads of gold um for the listeners so what um yeah so this is the final question and I feel like you asked me big questions when I was on your podcast I feel like this might be a big question as well because I'm sure you've got loads and loads of bits of advice that people would find helpful but if you could give one piece of life-changing advice what would it be the struggle becomes your story yeah, love that. Like where you are right now, no matter, it'll feel hard. It'll and and you know what we were saying there about like gratitude and collecting wins. It can seem a bit airy fairy. It can seem a bit out there. You know, especially if you are really struggling, if you're not making progress towards your goals, if things don't feel like they're going quite right. Like you're in the midst of that struggle now. There will be one day in the future, if you're able to keep going, if you're able to keep one foot in front of the other, take it a day at a time, you know, one step at a time, with the big picture in mind. If you're able to do that, if you're able to keep going, there will become a point where you'll be able to look back on this and you'll get so much wisdom from it. You'll get, like, I reflect, and, you know, we were talking about right at the start, things in my life, like I reflect on those points in my life where they felt the hardest, where I was in the depths of of whatever it was that I was experiencing. And it's only now that I'm able to look back on, on those and be like, yeah, like I got so much from those. You can look back with hindsight and be like, actually there was some gifts in there. I'm able to make magic from those moments. I'm able to create art from the horrific experiences that we went through at the time and I think understanding that that at some point what you're going through right now will become such a transformative experience if we're able to make it through 
and it's just this concept of impermanence. Like if you can keep going, like this too shall pass. It's just a case of we need to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I really love that. A friend said to me a while ago, um, your pain becomes your power. And that's something that I talk about a lot. And it's a, it's it's the same as what you've just said. Like all of these things, it's hard to, you know, if you're going through things that are challenging, things that are difficult, a year, two years further along from now, you'd be like, weirdly, I'm glad that that happened. Weirdly, I learned from that. Or like, you know, for us, the struggles that we went through years ago allows us to help people in the way that we do now. So I do fully believe your pain becomes your power. I, I had um, Megan Horrocks, who's a cancer fighter, and she basically, she, she, crazy mindset towards fighting cancer. And, and again, we were talking about the same thing, your pain becomes your power, and she just attacked this head on. And it's led to so many, you know, she's in a strange way grateful that it's happened to her, you know, and it's... It is, it's, it's interesting, but again, it's your perception of all of those things that have happened. And um, like you say, if you do just keep going, keep, keep trudging on, you will, it will become apparent, you know, later in life that there is little things to be grateful for in those struggles. Um, so that was amazing. Thank you so much. So let everyone know where we can find out more about you. Probably the best place is Instagram stew.graham.s25 um everything is there like uh my newsletter my podcast like everything that i do is just linked from there so you'll be able to find everything but uh, a huge thank you to you for having me on the podcast it's been an absolute honor to uh come on and chat all things mindset and a little bit of life in there as well you are very welcome and do you still do your mindset course yes i do i've got a six-week uh program that is all based around um, mindset, there's seven modules, but the main six are expectations, things like scale weight, all and often thinking, you know, it's all broken down to some of the bigger or more common drivers that I see for this all and often within the fat loss space. Brilliant. All sounds good. So I'll, what I'll do is I'll put a link to your Instagram in the show notes as well, just so that you're easy to find. And But thank you again for coming on. It's been lovely to chat to you. See you soon. Amazing. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Lift and Glow Fitness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or took anything away from it, please make sure that you share it with a friend. It really does help. And if there's anything that you would like me to talk about or discuss in further detail on the podcast, then make sure you let me know. Also, if you want to know more about working with me, you can send me a DM on Instagram. You will find me at PT. Thank you again for listening and I will speak to you all again soon. Bye.